0: This is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. This is The Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier. It is a pre-Friday celebration, and as you know what that means, the greatest day of the entire week. Oh, yes, you see the light at the end of the tunnel for a Friday tomorrow, but nothing beats a Thursday today, my friends. At least that's what I tell myself, and I'm going to stick to it. Welcome into it. This is The Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, multiple radio stations and TV, live streaming, podcasting. However you watch or listen to the show, your Millennial General reporting for duty like we do every single day. Big show lined up today. Holy cow, there's a lot to talk about. There is a lot out of Washington, D.C., although we're not going to focus our entire program on that today. There are some appropriations bills. Apparently, Mike Johnson uh, ruffling the feathers over in the Senate side. You know, doing what a Speaker of the House actually does is working with the other chamber, trying to figure out how to get bills passed, and that's what he's doing, telling them to vote for the Israeli funding bill. That's supposed to be coming up to be voted on here relatively soon. So we have some of that news. We'll get to that in a little bit. We have appropriations bills coming up on the House floor tonight or tomorrow, I believe. So we'll touch on some of that. Bottom of this hour, though, happy to have on the program kind of a special treat for you. Todd Starnes, the host of the Todd Starnes radio program. He has been on the program once or twice before. I have filled in for his show a few times, been on Newsmax TV with him before. Wonderful individual, great friend. And we'll have him on the show at the bottom of the hour to talk about the latest and greatest out of Washington, D.C. So we have that coming up for you. Uh, I had a, an epiphany, though, today, and a light bulb came on for just a moment, and I have to I have to relay this to you because I found it. Maybe you already knew this, so maybe it just makes sense to you, and you're like, "Oh, duh, Andy. But you know the old saying that they have that says that if you're young and Republican, that you have no heart, and that if you're old and a Democrat, that you have no brain. And obviously, the mindset is that you're supposed to be emotional and a bleeding heart when you're younger because you want to fix the world through emotion, which is what you see right now on a lot of college campuses. Now, right now, they use too much of their emotional heart and less of their brain to actually understand the real world politics or current events. But nonetheless, they're using their emotions at that time. And as you get older, you start becoming an adult, you start getting bills, you start having to work, you start seeing the taxes come out of your paycheck, you start seeing all the crap the government does to where not let you just live your life and be happy and do your own thing. I'm not better, don't worry, uh, that you become a Republican because you want less and less of that government intrusion. Well, the light bulb moment kicked on today as I was thinking about that, and I read this headline from the Wall Street Journal that says that as you, it confirmed it, it confirmed it, as you age... You become more conservative. What I know, as they did a study that showed back in 1976 of people that were leaning to one political side or the other, 28 percent of uh, voters were either Republican or leaned Republican in voting back in 1976. In 2021, when they ended the study, they showed that 30 percent were. So I mean, that's I mean, it was it moved slightly a little bit. Here's the kicker, though. They moved a little bit more conservative as the days went on. Here's the bigger kicker, the bigger kicker upper here. The Democrats back in 1976, roughly 56% of those that were polled in this study were Democrats. And as they've grown up and as they've gone on in 2021, they went from 56% that were extremely progressive, very Democrat, to 44% with that number dwindling for that democrat party now according to the wall street journal they get a little bit deeper into the numbers they show that right now the baby boomers obviously moving further to the right the problem is though is that the millennials and the gen zers the ones behind the millennials are the ones that are kind of countering the vote for the baby boomers because they're still relatively young and on the more progressive spectrum so the question is it now comes down to almost a generational thing on what side of the aisle that you stand on now obviously that's not completely true, and that's a very much a blanket, generalized assumption. Because I'm a millennial, and I'm about as far right as you could possibly get on the uh, political scale. But nonetheless, as an overall view from the thirty thousand foot view here, that you tend to become more and more conservative. And where the light bulb moment kicked on for me was, was was this plan? Was this and put the tinfoil hat on for just a moment? Was this a psyops operation, a psychological warfare mindset? to delay adulthood, to extend the adolescence in society. Because if you grow up and you become a Republican, then let's just not make you grow up at all. Because now we have millennials that say they don't even consider themselves to be an adult until the age of 30. They're not even moving out of their homes or their parents' homes until past the age of 30. They're not wanting to start families. They're just wanting to be kids. They want to be uh, completely stress-free. They want to be responsibility-free. They want to live their life and go party. They want to go travel the world. They don't want to save any money. They want to be creative instead of actually making a living, in many cases, and try to express themselves through art or whatever they try to do, which... Nothing wrong with that. All the power to you. But if you're not not making a living on it, then you're still living in your parents' basement and you're not becoming that true adult. The latest numbers that we've seen shows that over the last really couple of years, as millennials are finally beginning to leave the house and start their own family and do their own thing and try and buy a home and actually start their life, that they're becoming Republican because they're now starting to see all the taxes and how expensive the world really is. So the mindset from those at bay the deep state, the establishment, the whatever you want to call them in Washington, D.C., that they're just trying to intentionally extend adolescence, which goes into a few of the topics that we want to talk about today with trying to you know, ban cigarettes and not allowing you to drive. And you can vote early, but you can't buy cigarettes. You can't join the military. You can't purchase a firearm. You can't do all this stuff that is like real-world experience, but yet you can vote and have a say in the real-world uh, scenarios by casting your ballot. So Democrats have done this intentionally, it almost seems like, to where let's keep you a child and keep that childlike mentality, but let's throw you in the real-world experiences so that way we can manipulate the way the world actually is. It it seems valid, right? Seems like they're doing that intentionally by, uh, and they've done it a few different ways, by creating student loans to where we can't actually live on our own easier or as quickly as what the younger generations have been able to do so, among other things. But the extension of the adolescence, the things you make you go, hmm, that if you're young and predominantly a Democrat when you're at a childlike mentality, let's just find a way to keep you at that level. Seems rational to me, right? I think that we came on, I think we're catching on to you. We may be slow on the draw, Democrats, but by golly, we'll figure out your plans here one way or the other. Here's the other light bulb moment that I had, and this one's not as much of a light bulb moment, but just kind of a connecting two dots and, and exposing the agenda from the progressives right now, where we're also understanding why we're seeing the mindset from a lot of the young generation of not just you do your thing, I do my thing, and we'll just live happily ever after, I may not agree with you, I may not like what you do, I may not understand what you do, I may not um, um, agree with it or want to live that lifestyle or live the way that you live, but I don't really care. You do you, I do me, and living under those principles of conservatism that we talk about, which are the three pillars of this program, which is the right to life, the right to liberty, and the right to private property. As long as you don't infringe upon one of those three on somebody else. I don't really care. Do your own thing and live your life however you deem necessary. As long as I do not take your life, I do not take your liberty to express yourself, and I do not take any of your private property, and that is either bodily or something that you've created uh, by, like, stealing or looting or doing anything of that sort, then all the power to you, brother or sister or, I guess, other. But I don't really care. Now, I have my values. I have my faith. I have my religious, my, my Judeo-Christian values, if you want to call it that. I have those values where my family lives that type of lifestyle. But if somebody else lives vaguely differently, as long as they don't infringe upon me, I don't care. And as long as I don't fringe upon them, they shouldn't care either. That's not the way that the younger generations live their life. In fact, you see it very evidently with many progressives where they say, if, if you're doing something different, if you're living your life differently... And that really means like Republican right now, if you're a conservative, if you're a MAGA supporter, if you're something like that, if you express that on social media, not only do we not like it, but we're going to find a way to ban it. We're going to silence you. We're going to attack you. We're going to get the mobs to be showing up at your front door with pitchforks and torches wanting to run you out of town, tarred and feathered because we don't like the views that you have. And that is the mindset of a lot today, and even a little bit on the right, but I wouldn't say much more on the right, more so on the left, because they're very bigoted. They're the ones that are open minded, but yet they're so open minded that you have to agree with them, or else you're one of the most evil, horrible human beings on the face of the earth. Point in case is the latest move from the Biden administration as we go into the Biden basement.
1: Let's go into the Biden basement.
0: Where yesterday we talked about an executive order from the artificial intelligence. Now he's also pushing a bill to try and ban menthol cigarettes across the nation. Wait, what, wait, what? Hold on a second. Banning menthol cigarettes. Oh, yes. And in fact, according to Fox News, the conservative advocacy group known as Building America's Future has launched a six-figure advertisement and commercial buy across the nation in multiple different swing states for congressional districts for next year's races, trying to target the Biden administration and their proposed menthol cigarette ban. Now, that being said, I ask you, what generation do you think is trying to ban menthol cigarettes? Now, the Biden administration has been focused on trying to win back people over to the Democrat Party because he screwed it up so badly that he's got to win people back over. And the way he's doing that is trying to buy them off, which is why he's so adamant of doing student loan forgiveness programs and trying to, you know, fund whatever program that he wants to to try and take care of people because he's just going to buy them off. But now there's a generational difference on what products or substances that we like to use. The older generations, if you had a stressful day, you smoked a cigarette. I mean, you literally had TV ads that were promoting, radio ads that were promoting cigarettes. Not allowed to do that anymore because they're evil, they're bad, they're horrible, they're going to kill you, they're going to get you. At the same time, that same generation that's pushing to ban cigarettes because they're so evil and bad are the ones that are advocating for the legalization of marijuana. Now, I don't want to have the argument about legalizing marijuana or not, but I do find it ironic that we're trying from both sides of the aisle here, one side's trying to ban one and keep the other one legal, while the other side's doing the vice versa. Whether it's an age thing, whether it's a political aisle thing, we find one to be evil and one to be okay, and at the end of the day, we have to kind of recognize the hypocrisy in that type of conversation. Uh, South Park did a great job of that, by the way, a few years ago with the, uh, their diversity museum where they were talking about needing to accept everybody's views and everybody's opinions and everybody's lifestyles, right? We
1: have to accept people for who they are and what they like to do. Hey, what the hell are you doing?
0: Oh, I was just, uh... There's
1: no smoking in the museum!
0: But I'm not in the museum. Get
1: out of Yeah, dirty lungs. Go ahead and kill yourself, stupid tar breath. Get out of here.
0: (laughs) I always go to South Park because they're always 10 years ahead of the uh, status quo. They're always 10 years ahead of all the trends that are going on. And it's amazing to watch. But it's so true, isn't it? Because we've seen this demonization of the tobacco industry for the last few years. And uh, kids can't be having it. It's really bad. And yet, at the same time, the generation that was pushing that. We're the ones that were smoking at the age of like 10 in the 1950s because that's just what you did. And some people obviously got sick, not advocating for it. But we have to recognize that there's a difference in culture today. And now with this push, what generation do you think is going to be okay with the banning of a menthol cigarette? It's going to be the younger generation because they don't smoke cigarettes. They don't care to smoke cigarettes. They're all about maybe marijuana or other substances, but cigarettes are evil and bad, the evil tobacco industry, the evil tobacco corporation, which has been fed to them uh, from that silver spoon from the progressive Democrats. So, again, it's not, if you're over there smoking on your own, we don't really care, I won't do it, but I don't really care. No, no. It's the young generation trying to be pandered to because they're learning about government. Hey, if we don't like it, we'll just ban it. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier.
1: (laughs) Fighting for freedom every day. This is the voice of reason
0: with Andy Hoosier. Hold on, I'm doing a little uh, Google searching during the break here. Uh, All right. So (laughs) I was talking to some of the other guys across the aisle during the break about this ban on menthol cigarettes. Stupidest thing I've ever heard of. And especially coming from a party like the Biden administration, the Democrat Party, where you have California, that's an absolute mess, where they're literally giving out injections of heroin at different clinics, free healthcare clinics for addicts because they have such a drug problem in the state. So you have that. I find that quite ironic. But yet he's trying to pander. And it is. It's brainwashing the young generation, whether you like it or not, Washington, D.C., You are, as an elected official, you are a role model. When you're learning civics in late elementary, middle school, high school, you look at an elected official of like, oh, wow, you know what? They're a little bit on the next tier. Now, you're not supposed to because they're supposed to be of the people, by the people, and for the people for the Constitution, according to the Constitution. And that's who they are. And that's what we're getting back to slowly, which the elites absolutely despise. Man, they hate the fact that that any Joe schmo who's never been in politics can run for office and actually get in there. And Donald Trump kind of is the one that opened up that door more more so than what we've seen in a very long time. But yes, you are supposed to be somewhat role models for the young generation to look and say, oh, wow, they are leaders of the nation making the decisions for society as a whole. You should be holding yourself to a little bit higher standard. And if the government's out there saying we don't like cigarettes because they're bad, they're evil, they're going to make people die in the streets, they're going to give you lung cancer, yada, 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 we're going to go ahead and ban it, then it creates that mindset from a younger generation to say, oh, well, if I don't like it, then obviously it's bad, and therefore I can push to ban it. And banning menthol cigarettes is a stupid thing, especially with how bad the drug problem is across the nation. We have fentanyl. I'm not going to talk about marijuana because I think that's another conversation to be had. But we have the harder drugs that are literally being given out in California. We're just going to a clinic and be like, I have an addiction. I don't want to have a dirty needle for me to get an infection and die underneath a bridge. So can you administer this for me? And they're like, oh, yeah, sure, just go ahead. Why not? It's kind of ridiculous. Now, at the same time, we've also seen the push, which the FDA has done, Uh, across the nation lately is to raise the age of selling tobacco products to uh, uh, individuals to the age of 21 instead of that age of 18 which goes back to our first aha moment of the program that we're trying to extend adolescence and not create adulthood because well you're not ready to start smoking until the age of 21 and i guess if you have to you can do it then but again you can vote you can sign up for the military it's getting harder and harder, actually, to do things at the age of 18 Uh, because 21 is now where you can apparently smoke, you can drink, you can't rent a car still until that's like, what, 24, 25, I think, with the insurance on there. So that's still a bit of a challenge. Pretty soon, you're not going to be able to be an adult until the age of 30, which, again, let's just have a universal number to say by this age, boom, you have hit adulthood. Now you can do any benefit of what an adult can actually do, not the scattered out you know, 10-year span of giving you rights little by little. Um, the, the weird part is, and honestly, this comes down to the fact that we don't have a rite of passage. Every culture, every tradition around the world, different cultures, they have a rite of passage. You have to do something to complete it at a certain age that now you're a woman or now you're a man once you complete this task and once you've hit of age and now you can be considered an actual adult. You don't have that in America. We don't have that in our values, and I find that quite strange. And maybe that would help settle things. I don't know. Because by the age of like 18, be like, all right, you're 18. You are now an adult. You're going to do this rite of passage test. And if you pass it, then welcome aboard. You're an adult. You can smoke. You can drink. You can drive. You can sign up for the military. You can vote. Whatever the hell you want to do. But with this push now to raise it, just again, extending that adolescence. But Andy, it's the tobacco industry. Yeah, and you're a parent. Let's be a parent and let's tell the children, hey, you shouldn't smoke. I did it my 18, my 18th birthday. Totally got a pack of Swisher Sweets. Went to my work. I was working at the feed store that day, and I smoked a Swisher Sweet. Tasted nasty. I've never enjoyed cigarettes. I smoke a cigar maybe once in a while. That's about it. But never got into it. But by golly, I did it because I could because I was a man. I'm an adult now, and I can make these decisions, and I'm going to do that if I want to do so. Nowadays, no, you're not. You this need to be 30. Is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason. With Andy Hoosier, yes it is. Welcome back into it, the voice of reason. I am Andy Hoosier, and on the line with us here, happy to have back on the program, Mr. Todd Starns. Todd, how are you, my friend?
1: Andy, doing great, and uh, man, it is uh, it's fun to be back on the show. And thank you so much. You filled in a time or two, and uh, our crowd loves having you on the big show
0: well it's it's an honor to be able to do so and it's so much fun to be able to talk to all the listeners all over the place and you've been you've been busy you've been rocking it because it's just been a busy time in the world right now it's hard to keep track of everything that's going on and while it may seem always negative we do have some good news coming out i mean i think it's good that we have a speaker of the house now we start seeing some appropriations bills moving through i see some positivity going into the end of the year what do you say
1: well, I'm, yeah, yeah, I think, I think that's a fair assessment, um, and the, the election of of Mike Johnson to the to this uh, speakership is is a great thing I've known him for a number of years uh, we worked together even before he went to Congress and uh, he's the real deal and I think that really terrifies a lot of people not just on the left but also uh, in the Republican Party because he is he's not going to be one of these yes guys he's not going to be a McConnell uh, disciple you know he's going to do what he feels is right and and I think that really kind of scares a lot of people but that's that's, to me, that's the kind of person we want as the Speaker of the House.
0: Yeah. Is it a good thing that you think that we went so deep into the ranks of the Republican Party? It feels almost refreshing that we don't have the same status quo, the same elites, the same guys that have been there for 40 years running the things knowing that it's not really going to change. It's almost kind of a nice, fresh breath air that we're going to get to some nice new blood in there to represent. And like you said, a guy that's holding on to his principles and is going to fight tooth and nail for those. That seems nice, I think, kind of a a reunity for the Republican Party.
1: I was talking to Scott Perry, he's chairman of the of the House Freedom Caucus, and he said, you know, if you think about it, if Mike Johnson had been an Islamic radical instead of a born again <laughs> Christian, he would have been much more well received by the media and, and the Democrats. Uh-huh. And it's 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 a fair point. Yeah, I I think this is a good move. Now, there are going to be a couple of challenges, and it's really involving stuff that the average American would have no interest in, in, and that is fundraising. That is the chief job, believe it or not, of the uh, Speaker of the House. And we're going to have to see how – how that works out for him because he does not have the deep pockets um, or the access to a lot of the big donors that previous speakers have had. So that will be a challenge for him, especially as we move into the midterm elections. And I, I don't want to get too far ahead of the the, the the game here, but if the fundraising efforts are not good, there could be an effort to blame the the conservative side of the party for all of that. So, um, you know, there are a couple of, um, there there are a couple of potholes in that road that uh, that Johnson's going to have to be looking out for.
0: Yeah, and you know that's going to come. I mean, the establishment that does not like how far right that we've gone in the messaging right now is going to try and blame us uh, to try and get back to that center of the road. So that is an obstacle we're going to have to jump over at some point. But right now we're seeing a vastly different and uh, contrasting views Of the Republican Party. I mean, let's take the Ukrainian and Israeli funding, for example. Mike Johnson has done a fantastic job of splitting the two up so we can have a rational conversation between Israel funding, Ukrainian funding. Whereas we're seeing Mitch McConnell over on the Senate side say that we just need to do the lump sum package, what Biden wants and just put the two together and just ram it through. I mean, this is really right now we're seeing the civil war within the Republican Party play out right before our eyes
1: and it's really not even a civil war it's a triple civil war because you have the trump populist in this mix and and this is going to be an interesting you know it's going to be an interesting thing to watch uh, unfold and I'll give you an example of why. So one of the great things about Mike Johnson is that he did split that funding. It's it's not a joint you know funding or spending bill for Ukraine and for uh, Israel. But what Johnson did was pretty pretty brilliant. He actually paid for it by by taking that money away from the internal revenue service, which which I think is fantastic. Now, the issue is you've got the Trump populist out there don't believe we ought to be spending any money in Israel, but they're not going to be really that vocal about that right now. But they are incredibly vocal about spending money in Ukraine. And there's already been some blowback in, in Trump world on social media that Mike Johnson, oh, he's not a real conservative. No, he is a real conservative. He just has, you know, he is passionate about Ukraine. I disagree with him on that, but that doesn't necessarily make him a Republican in name only.
0: Yeah, that is very true. We're talking with Todd Starnes, com, host of the Todd Starnes Radio Program. Uh, do you think that we're going to get to the middle of November and see the appropriations bills play out the way they're supposed to? Right now, I believe we're about five or six deep in that have actually been passed out of the 12 that need to be passed Uh, without a potential government shutdown in just a month. And the last bill that we passed was actually really well. We cut almost a trillion dollars out of our budget. Go figure. But do you think that we can get to the 12 appropriations bills in a full-on budgetary package before the end? Or do you see another extension?
1: I think there's going to be an extension. And we've already heard people on the national show talking about that. Uh, And the reason why really has to do more so with timing than anything else. I mean, you've got a brand-new speaker. Um, He didn't have those three weeks that McCarthy had so there could be some sort of a very short term extension that I think the Republicans will go for now you will see the hard right go after Johnson on this but but again at this point I don't think that's a fair criticism you know the guy does need a little bit of time here yeah. and if that requires you know going into December or moving it to the first of the year I'm okay with that
0: Yeah, and if I see bills coming out that show massive cuts like this trillion dollar one that we saw for waters and utility and energy, then you know what? If they need a little more time to get those ducks in a row to make sure that they're solid bills, I'm okay with a temporary extension because the other alternatives is another omnibus bill that's going to be $2 trillion more expensive than what we've seen before.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that, Andy. And again, I just, you know, I, I don't require a lot now of the Republican Party. <laughs> I just want them to be fiscal conservatives. That's all. I mean, if they can't do that, there's really no sense in having a Republican Party other than they throw better cocktail parties. But that's about it.
0: That's about it. Hence why we saw the removal of Kevin McCarthy, as speaker of the House, just a few months ago. Uh, let's shift gears a little bit. I want to bring it to the Israel and Hamas issue going on abroad and Todd, I got to admit, I never in my wildest dreams thought that I would see so many protests in our own country against Israel, calling the Israelis that they're committing genocide against the Palestinians and supporting radical terrorist organizations abroad. Todd, like we've come a long way since 2001.
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty shocking, but but we should not be that terribly surprised by it. We We knew the anti-Christian sentiment was there. But the the anti-Semitism uh, that really has ratcheted up. I saw a report anti-Semitism reports up 400 percent since the start of the war. And I think what's really interesting to me is you've got a lot of these Jewish professors who are as left as the day is long, and now they're like they're concerned for their own safety, and and nobody seems to understand that. This is part of the whole diversity, inclusion, and equity uh, system that is in place on many of our public university campuses, and it really has become this uh, incubator for vile hatred. I mean, we are watching, I mean, these um, these Hamas terrorists are modern-day Nazis, and what they are doing to the babies and the women and the children, it's just Unbelievable. But we've got to be willing to stand up and push back here. And I know that in Memphis, we were shocked to see the numbers of, of pro-Hamas uh, protesters marching in the streets here. Um, but the Christian community has been standing alongside our, our Jewish friends, and, and that's been a good thing to see. You know, a lot of people have asked, well, what about the safety of the, uh, the talk radio bunker? Uh, and I said, no need to worry about that. We are surrounded. We are flanked by barbecue smokers so we have plenty of pulled pork but we're not going to have an islamic radical get within a mile of this place
0: they're running the other direction that's right Uh, it's weird because we hear that the republicans the magas the conservatives that they're the anti-semitics that they're the nazis that they're the fascists that we've been the ones harping on the jewish community forever and yet we're not seeing that todd in fact the democrats in the biden administration kareem Jean pierre she won't even admit that there's anti-Semitism going on because every time it's brought up she talks about extremism in all directions and how we can't be having hate for anyone and they generalize it but can't say that there's radical Islamic terrorism going on and that there's massive anti-Semitism going on in the country.
1: You know, it's interesting, to your point, and this just happened a little while ago on uh, CNN, Uh, John Kirby was asked about Cori Bush, the uh, Congress gal from Missouri, and Cori Bush tweeted out that Israel was conducting an ethnic cleansing campaign, Mm -hmm. and I love what John Kirby said. This is the quote, um, the congressman can speak for himself and his views. (laughs) In one sentence, he misgendered Cori Bush three times.
0: Wow. He's a bad man. Well, nowadays it's a legend. It's a legend, right? Yeah, Yeah, we don't know anything, anyways. That's
1: right.
0: Pronouns unknown. Pronouns are unknown. (laughs) Uh, We're talking with Todd Starnes, host of the Todd Starnes radio program. We got just a couple minutes left, and I appreciate your time, my friend, as always. But I got to bring it to the election of next year, 2024. Donald Trump obviously in a lot of heat right now with the ongoing litigation. We have uh, Colorado with their lawsuit on trying to keep him off the ballot altogether. And between all of this, we're still seeing him with near three-quarters of the Republican Party supporting him in mass amounts. The, par- the primary is not even close for any of the other candidates. Is this going to continue on until next year, or do you think we're going to see a shift or have him physically removed from this race?
1: I think if he is not on the ballot, the reason why is because he was physically removed. You know they 've got that big battle going on in Colorado right now, whether or not he can you know even allowed to be on the ballot because of his legal issues. but I mean, this polling out there is just insane. The latest Des Moines register poll that came out yesterday showed that Ron DeSantis is having a hard time filling up his boots um, he is dropped. Just plunged in the polls. Now he and Nikki Haley are tied, I believe, at 16 points apiece. Uh, Trump's still far ahead there in in Iowa. So my concern, though, Andy, is when you at the end of the day, Trump's going to be the guy. But the question is, will the will the establishment wing of the party accept that, will or will they stay home, or will they? Um, will they support the Democrats or maybe a fourth party, you know, another party candidate? You've already got RFK out there running as an independent. You could conceivably have a moderate Republican doing that. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier.
0: Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed. Welcome back into it. Last few minutes here on the program. Oh, how it goes by so fast. Thanks again to Todd Starnes coming on the program. ToddStarnes.com, nationally syndicated radio host on, I believe he's at 140 radio stations. And I just heard that he recently started doing his show on... Newsmax 2 and 2 along like his three-hour radio program and then doing an hour-long TV program specifically thereafter as well. So congratulations to him on that. That's amazing. Go check it out on Newsmax 2 and you can see the Todd Starnes radio program and the Todd Starnes TV program now as well. Pretty awesome. And uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, maybe if he ever needs some help again, we'd be honored to be able to fill in and jump in on that program on both of them and have some fun as well. All right, welcome back into it. We got a few minutes left here of the show. I want to, Oh man, I love this. I got to get into what's trending. Oh, what's trending today? I have to admit there were some that were skeptical on whether Mike Johnson was the proper fill in for the speaker of the house after the removal of Kevin McCarthy that so many were upset about, but this guy, man, this dude is taking it to the next level as he's now over in the Senate trying to negotiate to pass this bill as the House Republicans apparently are trying to pass a bill later on this evening, I guess, for the funding for Israel. But here's the kicker. It's going to be essentially a net neutral bill with no additional spending from the federal government. And Say what? I know. Say yeah. What? I know. So here's the headline according to NBC News. The bill is a House Republican bill. That is hoping to pass by later this evening, according to them, whenever this was, that was at 1.30 this afternoon, uh, that would provide $14.3 billion in aid to Israel with the ongoing conflict with Hamas. Here's the kicker. According to House Speaker Mike Johnson and the Republicans crafting this bill, number one, not only did he separate the funding between Ukraine and Israel, which was presented and proposed by the Biden administration, was endorsed by the Democrat Party, and unfortunately endorsed by Mitch McConnell over in the Senate, Or oh, we, we need to pass the $100 billion to Ukraine and Israel. And that just shows a definite difference in leadership right now. We have Mike Johnson and the conservative republicans that have split that but not only did they split the funding between the two countries they're now making the bill net neutral by how they've crafted this bill is funding 14.3 billion dollars to fund in aid in Israel and they're doing it by shifting the money and cutting funds at exactly 14.3 billion dollars in cutting the IRS what? <laughs> I mean, come on, man. That's that's unheard of. Now, I guarantee you that if Kevin McCarthy was still Speaker of the House, that would not be the bill going to the floor this afternoon. But to cut it from the IRS while they're trying to stop the funding of the eight, uh, what is it, 88,000 new IRS agents that we're going to continuously fund over the next few years— Cutting that out, $14.3 billion out of the IRS and into Israel. Dude, that is the most mental thing I ever heard in my whole life. Now, according to the Senate, they say it's dead on arrival. Chuck Schumer, not very happy about that one, according to uh, according to NBC News, saying, quote, I am glad the president issued a veto threat over this stunningly unserious proposal. The Senate will not be considering this deeply flawed proposal from the House GOP. Good. You know what? Don't then Israel or Ukraine will get neither of the funding. And Mike Johnson, the fact that not only did he do what he said he was going to do by splitting the two up, he took it another level by making it net neutral and just shifting money away from an extremely corrupt organization with the IRS (laughs) and putting it into Israel. And then he's over there trying to pitch it as the legitimate bill. And I hope that he stands his ground and says, if this does not pass in the Senate... And if the president does not sign this bill, that we as the holders of the power of the purse have decided on what we're going to fund. If you do not support this, then neither of them will get funding whatsoever, period. Because we have voted on this. The People's Chamber, the House of Representatives, has voted on this. We've decided. And this is our end game. period. End of story, take it or leave it. And Mike Johnson, I am in full confidence that Mike Johnson at least have a better opportunity of doing that than what Kevin McCarthy would have. Because you know Kevin McCarthy would have cowered already. He wouldn't have even gotten to this point to allow that type of a bill. Mike Johnson is the ultimate gangster in Washington, D.C. right now. And I say that in all the positive terms. You ever see those uh, the, those videos online where someone does something and, oh, the mic drop and the little glasses come down? Yeah, he is the ultimate man. He is the man in Washington, D.C. right now, taking it to another level, cutting our corrupt administrations, in our agencies, and saying, hey, if you want this bill, this is what you're going to get. I really hope the House passes this. I want to see a unified Republican voice on this bill. I don't know if we're going to get it, but I want to see a unified vote on this, sending it to the Senate, and saying take it or leave it. <laughs> Wipe the hands clean and say, we're out, baby. We're done. Adios. Benito Salud. And we'll see you tomorrow. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.